Hello, and welcome to the Power Your Advice podcast. The Power Your Advice podcast is designed to bring financial advisors new ideas, why those ideas should be considered, and how to implement them into your business. This podcast is brought to you by Advisorpedia, the best place for advisors to grow their minds and businesses. And now, please join your host, Doug Heikinen. Hello, and welcome to the podcast. Alternatives have never been in more vogue. And the reason why is there's so many interesting companies out there doing fantastic things. And there's a number of platforms that are giving advisors and their clients access to many of these investments like never before. We've asked Douglas Blake, who serves as managing director of investment solutions at Kingswood US and an expert in this area to give us some insight into this bursting asset class. Welcome, Douglas. Thanks for having me, Doug. Before we jump into alts, let's go back and uncover a little bit about you. Why financial services? How did you get to this point? And, and what are you doing? What are you having fun doing? So it's a unique story for me that ever since I was a little kid, I've wanted to be in this business. In fact, uh, my grandmother used to give me the S&P 500 book every quarter. Now, this is well before computers they would release a little green book that had a write-up and a little bit of analysis on all 500 companies in the S&P. And at probably six or seven years old, I'd take that home and thumb through it. And uh, I don't know why, but I just sort of gravitated to it and I loved the business. And then it was, I think I was in third grade and we went on a field trip to the Statue of Liberty and the World Trade Center. And we walked into the lobby of the World Trade Center and I remember in the lobby, they had, I think the ceilings were, you know, 100 feet high. And they had these massive escalators that went up six or seven stories. And I saw this businessman in a suit and my eyes kind of followed him. And he had his briefcase and he got on one of these escalators and just took this ride seemingly into the heavens. And I said, that's it. That's what I want to do when I grow up and, you know, went to business school and worked every job I could in sales uh, through college just to get myself ready for a career in financial services. That's really interesting. S&P books don't have pictures, do they? No, they were these little paper uh, green and white books. And yeah, they broke it down by the subsectors of the S&P 500, the individual companies, and very minimal analysis. The, the profile uh, the price earnings ratio, and maybe a little graph at the bottom that showed the last quarter and the last year. Safe to say you were one in many million of kids who were doing that. But let's, <laughs> let's level set. What's an alternative investment and why are people crazy about them right now? So the very basic definition of an alternative investment as it's applied in financial services is anything but a stock or a bond and let's say anything but a stock bond or mutual fund. And so it could be real estate, it could be commodities, it could be um, structured investments in private placements. Uh, there's a buzzword pre-IPO, it could be investing in companies that aren't yet publicly traded. It could be memorabilia, trading cards, of course now probably the most dynamic and most popular, cryptocurrency, NFTs, Anything but stocks and bonds are sort of in the universe of alternative investments. 
Um, also, I should mention hedge funds, private equity, also considered alternative investments. And going back really since the beginning of investing, it was known that there should be a model portfolio allocation, typically uh, a portfolio of stocks and bonds. And then you'd want to have something else to diversify your investments. Uh, I remember an old adage to hang your wealth on many nails or the probably more popular phrase, don't put all your eggs in one basket. So over time, as other areas of the market became a lot more standardized and homogenized, and, and I think we find that in wealth management today uh, with you know, computers and algorithms taking over for financial advisors to allocate your investments long-term in their proper categories. Um, it has emerged, I think, the opportunity and the demand for something else to kind of move the needle, to differentiate your strategy and to differentiate your portfolio from that of others. And you may be doing so to mitigate risk. You may be doing so to uh, add income, particularly in this era of extremely low interest rates. Uh, or you may be doing so because you know, there are other areas that, that interest you, uh, commodities, collectibles, crypto. So for a myriad number of reasons, um, alternative investments are a popular subcategory in the overall investment universe. Why are they important to advisors and investors and how can they be used in portfolios? It's a great question. And I think that we're getting more and more uh, of a mature alternative investment category within the space. And I say that because in the past, it was kind of like off the beaten path. Uh, if you wanted to do these types of investments, it was really challenging to do them in any way that was uh, sort of standardized. And so you might be buying an investment property with all of the ups and downs that, that, that come along with that. Uh, you might be buying gold bullion. You might have to find a commodities trader who can buy you contracts on a barrel of oil or uh, a million cubic feet of natural gas and get the idea. It's not exactly um, the, the most streamlined and efficient process. But because the demand was there, Wall Street found a way to start incorporating these assets in client portfolios. Uh, on the institutional side, you have money managers that just prove to have an adept um, uh, strategy or um, you know, a, a, a deft hand at picking the right types of asset classes. So you might give them money and that, that's probably a private equity institution or a hedge fund. But for the individual investor, we started creating assets that would approximate or recreate the experience of doing some of these alternative investments. So you might have real estate investment trusts, as we know them, REITs, that rather than having to spend all of your money on an investment property, you join a group of investors to participate in institutionally managed investments in real estate. And you get that exposure for your portfolio. You may want to get into an oil and gas participation program. So instead of getting in your pickup truck and you know, going out and, and drilling for oil, you give your money to a company that does that for a living. and You participate alongside them in the success or the failure of that investment. But Wall Street has started to create these products and programs to give the individual investor access to alternative investments in a more efficient and more standardized way so that we can safely incorporate it into various different portfolios with different a 
objectives and different risk tolerance. And I should say that it's not just the individual investor uh, that's really taken to this phenomenon. There are two very popular theories out there, uh, the aptly named Harvard Endowment Model and the Yale Endowment Model. And of course, these are the models employed by Harvard's endowment and Yale's endowment, which now are in the many billions of dollars. And because they not only have to keep the money safe, but they also have to grow that money in good markets and bad, they've started to deploy more and more of their capital to alternative investments. And I think that they're thought leaders in bringing individual investors and registered investment advisors uh, into that way of thinking. That's amazing. Um, your approach to building Kingswood's alternative platform is as unique as the companies within it. Tell us what you're trying to accomplish with the platform and about your discovery and due diligence process. Okay, so we had a really interesting opportunity and I smile and, and uh, anyone listening that's part of building this team is gonna smile as well at the choice of the word interesting because it's probably sweeping a lot under the rug. It was really challenging, but really exciting in getting to build an alternative investment platform from scratch. And one of the reasons is we were informed by the trial and error in this industry going back 20 years that we've been in business together, myself and the group that started Kingswood US. And so there's a lot that can go right with alternative investments, but there's a lot that can go wrong. And two of the big drawbacks are a lack of liquidity and a lack of transparency. And as an individual investor, that means you've got to really know what you're getting involved with and you're extending a certain level of trust to your advisor or registered rep to help you do the right thing with your investments and, and, and believing in the process of these investments leading to the objectives or the outcomes that you're looking for. So in the past, the drawbacks have been many, but the most common, I would say, are they're hard to participate in. There's just a litany of paperwork. And if it's not done to the letter, it comes back not in good order. NIGO is the dreaded term. And in addition to that, you may not really know what programs are out there. There are thousands of alternative investments. Which ones are right for your clients? If you're an investor, which ones are right for you? How they work, you know, and, and, uh, and what the pros and cons of these investments might be. And in communicating that to your clients, in some cases, if you're not careful, it turns into a bit of a game of telephone where you understand the product to be one way and you present it to your client a slightly different way. And if it works out, that's fine. But if it doesn't, you know, there, there could be a little bit of lost in translation that could be problematic. So if you're building an alternative investment platform today, you have to make sure that you're very transparent. In fact, there's a new rule on the broker dealer side called Reg BI regulation best interest that focuses on making sure that everything is disclosed up front, including any conflicts, including compensation, and that these investments, despite these drawbacks, are still in the best interest of the client compared with other types of investments that might be similar. 
So these are all kind of challenges that we brought to the table and, and sat with and said, how do we do a great job of creating a platform that's safe for our advisors to draw from, safe for our investors, our clients to participate in, and, and that really complements or enhances our advisors or our registered reps' ability to find products and solutions for their clients that may be a little bit outside the box, but of course not too far outside the box. And I guided this process with two words. One, you know, and one I think I made up. And so if we wanna submit this to Miriam Webster, the first is transparency. I want our reps to know what's on our platform and how they work and everything about them. So when it's time for them to communicate those products to their clients, there's nothing that they're not delivering word for word from prospectus or PPM, private placement memorandum, to the ears of the client. And knowing that the client is qualified and suitable for these transactions as well. But the second word is the one that I think I made up, transactability. Doug, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that's my word. Um, it, it's got to be. So, so transactability relates to the fact that if you want to participate in an alternative investment, there are pages and pages and pages to, to review, to sign, to initial. There's legalese. There's indemnification clauses. There's money transfer pages that you don't want to mess up. And so... I wanted our platform to be transactable because I felt that was the biggest hurdle for advisors truly embracing them. Sure, they knew what they were. Maybe they even knew how they worked. But how do you participate? And is it going to be a month of back and forth with the client, with the firm, tying up everybody's time and really causing more trouble than it's worth? So those were the challenges that we identified and if we could do a great job in solving for them, then we'd really have something here. Speaking of big smiles, when you gave, when you got the keys to build this platform, you must have had a big smile. But what are some of the things to do and some of the things not to do when building it? So I did have a big smile. Uh, Mike Nessim, our president and CEO, uh, may may have seen it more as like the cat that ate the canary. But I, uh, I was excited and enthusiastic about the challenge that this presented. He had a smile too, because for the last 15 years, he was probably saying to me, you know, all the complaining that you've done about this doesn't work right and, and this process is uh, outdated and can be improved upon, here's your chance. Stop complaining, get to work. Let's see if you can do better. You know, so that I think was the genesis and, and I was excited about it. And everybody who knows me knows that I'm, I'm a people person. I think I have sort of an enthusiastic and, and approachable personality. And I certainly enlisted as much help as I could get in, in solving these problems. And what I know is that if we're going to scale this up in any meaningful way, I was really gonna wear out my welcome with compliance who had to be factored into the workflow of these transactions and operations, who has plenty of other things to do with their day than to handle my project of creating this alternative investment platform as their primary business. So, so I needed to enlist the help of technology because 
It's not the kind of business you can build taking any shortcuts at all. We had to know that every brick was laid exactly right and brick by brick, the foundation and then the structure of this platform had to be perfect. We couldn't skip a step. Everybody had to be included. And some of our technology partners, such as AI Insight, which gave us the ability to um, access the universe of due diligence and information on all of these different programs, and also give our reps the ability to utilize that platform to do education modules to prove to us that they knew exactly what they were getting involved in, to Altigo, which I really think was our big breakthrough, an automated processing platform for alternative investments that gave our reps the ability to transact these programs in a more transparent and transactable way that gave our compliance officers the ability to review these applications and all of the internal documents in their proper order, in good order before moving them along through the workflow process. And our operations department, one final chance to grab everything, archive it, look through it, make sure everything is in the right place before submitting it for processing. And so if I tried to do that with a paper and a pen, we would be a tenth of the way, if that, to where we are today. But by enlisting these technological partners, I was able to build it the right way so that it works, so that it functions, so that there's no way to submit business at Kingswood US except the right way from a, an advisory or, or registered reps perspective, whether that be the fiduciary standard or Reg BI and suitability, to compliance, getting to check every single box, to operations, getting to process it. There's only one way to get to the finish line. And so that's how you do this the right way. And any other version of that, candidly, Doug, would probably be seen as the wrong way. There's, there are so many alternatives out there that you mentioned earlier, and there's a lot on your platform that are very successful, Urban Catalyst, Altigo. There's some you're looking at, Shop Off and others. How do you find them? How do they get onto the platform? And how do you monitor and manage these companies? Well, that's, that's, that's a, a great question. question. And it's a tall task. And you know what? It's, it's probably um, the 2.0 of this project because you know, for a year and a half, when we were just building the company, uh, I kind of jokingly said to reference the movie Field of Dreams that I was plowing a cornfield in Iowa into a baseball diamond. You know, it, it, there just wasn't a lot of demand for it at the time. We were recruiting, we were, we were building up our infrastructure. Uh, we really weren't there yet, but I knew if you build it, they will come. So we got the platform right. We got the infrastructure right. Now to curate that platform with the right companies, with the right investment strategies and the right partners. First and foremost, due diligence is everything. Get as much information about these companies as you possibly can. Get their track records. If they've been doing it for years and doing it well, there's a very good chance that they'll continue to operate in a similar fashion. If they've had issues along the way, you know, one thing that I've said since the very beginning and I definitely invented this phrase, is Mike Nessum doesn't want me making moonshine in the basement of his mansion. <laughs> if that still blows up and takes the whole mansion with it, boy, you know, I'll be 
really silly. <laughs> it's not going to look good for me down in the basement for the sake of a bottle of moonshine. So the, the mantra that we really employed, and it's one that I think resonates with anyone building something the right way, great teams don't win close games. They avoid them. If it's a matter of, is this worth a shot? No, it's not. Is it, is it worth a leap of faith? Absolutely not. And ultimately, if there's one last test that it needs to pass, it's if I brought this to Mike Nesson, what would he say? Which by the time I'm asking that question, the answer is already an emphatic no. So it keeps us in this narrower lane with the right product sponsors and the right products, the right operators, the right track record. And that's a great place to start when you're curating this platform. You know, it's, it's really kind of a, it's a brotherhood between myself and our firm and the reps and advisors and a sisterhood. And I'm a, I have a twin sister, so I'm sensitive to that. Um, between ourselves and our advisors to make sure that, you know, we're giving them the products and the programs that they can feel confident in utilizing in their practice because we've done our homework. Now, they still have to do theirs. And, and we really make sure that it, this isn't just a one-man band. You know, we do our work on it. You need to do your own work on it, complete the education modules to know everything there is to know about these programs before going out and, and selling them to your clients. And you also need to know that they're the right products to meet those client needs. But once we've established that and created this sort of groundwork, now we've got this really exciting opportunity to showcase some of these amazing companies. And you mentioned Urban Catalyst. I mean, it's like, uh, you know, little Douglas Blake flipping through his S&P 500 uh, catalog, you know, in Queens, New York in, in 1985, um, would have never dreamed that I could put a dollar into, in, into these massive, beautiful real estate projects in Silicon Valley, you know, on the same terms and alongside some of the best and brightest investors in the business. And not only that, with Urban Catalyst, it's actually in an opportunity zone. So there's tax benefits to that program. Shop Off, one of the best track records probably in the history of real estate development. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, over a thousand transactions and, and two or three losers out of the bunch of a thousand. And to be able to invest shoulder to shoulder with these guys in their projects, it's just, it's an incredible feeling. It's exciting. It gets our advisors fired up to partner with some of these names. Uh, Bill Shopoff is, you know, the first and last name in real estate in uh, in California right now. Investex pre-IPO, you know, this actually was something where our clients were coming to us, clamoring for access to pre-IPO investments, and there was not a great solution for it. And the ones that our reps were competing with were not registered. It was these like back alley operations where they'd have to send money to who knows where and in return get who knows what because they wanted to get involved in, you know, the SpaceX's or the Impossible Foods, these billion dollar companies that just weren't public. But we knew that on the other side of an IPO would probably have some success. So when we worked together to create this product with Investex, we were delivering something to the market that just wasn't there. And it and our advisors really embraced it. Their clients really enjoy it. And so those types of ideas, you know, 
this is what makes me get up in the morning with a big smile on my face, you know, pound a cup of coffee and get back to work. It's, it's really exciting. And I think my advisors that use these products feel the same. I know that when I come to your conferences and interview some of these companies that I know nothing about, I'm just in awe that they're doing things that I never thought possible. And then when I talk to you about who's next, you bring up somebody like Megatel and I'm like, what is that? So <laughs> I don't want you to play favorites, but are there any companies on your roster that are doing truly unique things that make you feel like I do when you talk to me about them? <laughs> yeah, I mean, Megatel stands apart, that's for sure. Uh, you know, I think that they're horses for courses, all right? And, and, and we discover some of these great companies in the process of just making sure we have the necessary uh, tools for the advisor toolbox. So for example, it's been an exceptionally low interest rate environment for a very long time. And that's created a lot of demand for products that generate a lot of interest. However, how do you find those types of products you know, without taking an inordinate amount of risk? And oftentimes this is for more conservative investors. So you're going to be very careful, but you'll find programs, for example, jumping right off the, the top of my head would be Braemar, which is a company that owns uh, these really exclusive resort portfolios. Um, they have some of the highest end resorts, uh, Ritz Carlton's, and uh, they're in some of the most incredible markets um, in the world, actually. This is a global brand. And they hold them in this portfolio and they're sort of like luxury items. They're very well managed. They're very well run. These guys are extremely transparent. There's an underlying common stock and we have this preferred on our platform. It's considered what we call a covered security, but you can invest in that and generate a yield north of 7% paid monthly at a time when the 10 year is struggling to get over 2%, you know, and, and there's a lot um, protecting you in that investment. It's redeemable. So it's transparent. It's got liquidity provisions. I mean, I, I don't know how you can go into the market and deliver that kind of a yield with that kind of security underlying an investment and be able to invest in something cool like luxury resorts. You know, so, so that's one that is interesting to me that we happened across because we were looking to solve for the problem of, of income. And then Megatel, I just, I love all of our alternative investment products. And if I didn't, honestly, life's too short. I probably wouldn't even want them on our platform. There's so much due diligence work that goes into it. My, our due diligence committee is myself, two compliance officers and our general counsel. And to have me as, you know, who's also a registered rep with our firm, you know, bugging our compliance department every day. Hey, we need to review this. We need to review that. We need to, it, I, I say it feels sort of like a mouse chasing a cat. It's just not the traditional role that the compliance officer and the registered rep have had in the past. But it's, it's a challenge that I love. And, and I love, you know, telling them about some of these exciting programs. And maybe it starts with a smirk, but it, it ends with an understanding and, and excitement to be partnering with some of these groups. So just, yeah, Megatel, this is two brothers that, uh, and I'd, I'd love to have them on, on my podcast at some point, so I don't want to go too far into the story, but this is two brothers, Zach and Aaron Ipor, that came over from Europe in 2007 with the goal of uh, building houses and flipping them. And in 2007, they built three houses, flipped them, 
and made $10,000 in profits for the year total, both of them. <laughs> 2008 was the financial crisis <laughs> and the housing crisis. So timing definitely wasn't on their side, but in the throes of that, they actually bought a home builder that was about to go under and that became Megatel. And in the billions of dollars in houses that they've built since and being, I believe the number three or maybe number four home builder in Dallas, Fort Worth and in North Texas, uh, having everyone from uh, Magic Johnson to George W. Bush at their annual conferences, you know, they from humble beginnings, these guys have created a story that is unlike any other. And, you know, their success is our success. We've been partnering with them along the way. Uh, they have even bigger designs for the future. I, I, you're probably alluding to something that they're doing because they see as demand for housing tapers off in a few years, What's going to differentiate you as a home builder today, you know, buying, building and selling into this bull market so your houses and your communities retain their value? They're building communities that have mixed retail, that have, of course, you know, um, the, the gym and the, the shopping center, et cetera. But they're building communities right now that are having uh, that have lagoons in the middle of them. And you'll basically have like beach club access in these gigantic man-made lagoons in the middle of their properties. And, you know, I don't know what the housing market's going to look like uh, five, 10 years from now. I do know Dallas-Fort Worth is this, one of the strongest markets in the country. And, and really, that's not looking to change anytime soon. But within that neighborhood, you're certainly going to want to own a home in that community where you get access to a lagoon. So uh, I'm excited to see where that goes and excited to see what these guys do next. And the branding people get an A for that name. Two last things. Are advisors equipped to deal with the onslaught of alternatives coming their way? And if not, how can they get equipped? You know, I've said this analogy before, and I never knew if I could apply it here. And it's, if we're keeping score at home, this might be like the 12th analogy on this podcast. It's I like to, to simplify things probably for myself, but... One analogy that I use is that Jerry Rice, a, a famous Hall of Fame wide receiver for the 49ers, might be able to run 40 yards down the field and pass all of the defense and be wide open for a touchdown. But that doesn't make me Joe Montana, a famous Hall of Fame quarterback. Uh, I'm still Douglas Blake. So just because he can run down the field and beat, beat his coverage and be wide open for a touchdown, I'm still only throwing, you know, five, 10 yards down the field. So I try to emphasize simplicity in the approach to these investments. Not only do you as the advisor or the, or the rep need to understand everything about this investment, you need to understand it so well that you can communicate it exactly the right way to your client who then needs to understand it. And sort of the litmus test is, can your client, if asked, explain this investment, how it works, you know, liquidity, risk, um, upside, downside, to a regulator, if they decided to ask about it. And so that, again, as I referenced before, sort of like the, the game of telephone, it's so important that you keep it simple and really only venture into this realm if you know exactly what you're doing. And so for that reason, I would say it rules out a good number of the alternative investments that are available for review and for purchase. We then 
strip it down another layer by saying, let's go with the ones with, with a proven track record. Let's go with the ones that you know we believe in. And then even as you're doing your own due diligence on these, can my brain get from A to Z? Can I see how this is going to work? Sometimes I look at an investment structure and I say, they're calling this a three to five year deal, but I don't see how with a conservative strategy, they can exit a fund like this with the kinds of returns that they're, they're extrapolating you know, without taking a lot of leaps. And we know how Mike Nesson feels about me taking leaps of faith, you know, with our investment platform. So that'll rule out a lot of the, um, I guess, the candidates that aren't going to make it. And so every alternative investment platform, the one we run at Kingswood US, the one that other um, due diligence and, and alts guys are running and other BDs and RIAs across uh, the United States, you know, they, they get to decide which programs they want to invite onto their platform. And that kind of whittles down the list to a reasonable amount. And then I think it's important on our end to just make sure that you know, the, the asset classes that we want uh, exposure to are represented and we do so with the right sponsors and the right partners. What's next in the alternative space and what are you most excited about? Oh, uh, now this, this is probably my favorite thing because I'm definitely looking down the road and trying to see around the corner. It's exciting to me. It's, it's such a great challenge, you know, to try to figure out what opportunities await and, and what uh, innovations are, are waiting for us in the space in the future. And here's one that I think we're not there yet, but again, it's something that in the future we might be able to deliver. And it's just, if, if you kind of, you know, take that quantum leap in your brain, you see how it's, a, it's an opportunity worth considering. Again, I reference the concept of telephone, right? What, it, we're not here yet, but I think the ultimate version of an alternative investment platform is one when we can involve the client in the selection of these investment opportunities as well. And so that's tricky. You know, I, I, the imagery that I, uh, that I use when conceptualizing this is the advisor sitting at the desk and the client sitting across from him and turning around the screen. So how can we take the alternative investment platform that we work so hard to curate for our advisors and our reps and give some sort of access, limited access, suitable, and you know, um, uh, in the best interest of the client, access to that resource in some fashion, maybe a stripped down fashion, so that they can participate in the selection of these investments and not have to rely so heavily on the guidance or the opinion of their financial advisor. You know, there's only so many hours in the day, and so you know, it, it is hard, frankly, to um, to, to go through everything and give your client every single option that's afforded to them. And, and, and you do your very best, but it turns into a little bit of a keyhole because, you know, how could we possibly, um, you know, spread ourselves so thin as to offer everything? So I think that that might be an innovation that's coming in that we can share in our platform with our clients maybe through a series of um, you know, suitability filters to only show to them the programs that might be suitable for recommendation that are available on our platform. That's an innovation down the road, 
that I think is coming. And then probably the other one, maybe a little more exciting for you. I, maybe a, that was a, a nerdy response, Doug, but the, the one that might be more exciting to you is the tokenization of this industry. Uh, and everyone's talking about decentralization. You know, they're talking about NFTs and, and how can they be used, you know, in real estate. And they're starting to be used in some ways, but it's still very early. It's challenging in our space because it was, you know, it, it was enough of a lift to get it through uh, the very, very watchful eye of, of FINRA as a regulator for some of these programs. If you start to tokenize, theoretically, you're creating securities and now you're also bringing in the SEC. So um, we're early, but there is innovation coming to this space because there's demand for this space. And I I hope and I plan to be one of the pioneers and innovators in, in the years to come. Well, I think you already are. Douglas, this has been super informative. We thank you so much for joining us. It's always a pleasure spending time with you. Doug, thank you so much. I appreciate the opportunity. I'm, I'm always blown away by the, the content and, and the, um, uh, the innovation that Advisorpedia uh, has delivered. And you guys are you know, they, as they've said, sort of the highest praise is when something becomes a verb and Advisorpedia is working its way into more of the, the lexicon and financial services. And, and I credit you with that. Well, thank you. Please follow us for all the latest updates on Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook, all at Advisorpedia. For everybody at Advisorpedia, our producer, Jakey Beard, and the Power Your Advice podcast team, this is Doug Heikinen. <laughs>